Um, yeah, I'm ready. Okay. Let's do it. All right. Welcome to the Midwest through the back door <laughs> with Rick Steves and Jack and Emily. Hi, I'm Rick Steves. Rick Sleeves here. <laughs> I do call him Rick Sleeves. There was a moment on our trip when I was walking around downtown Chicago in my button shirt and my jeans with my bag slung over my shoulder, just swinging my arm wildly. <laughs> and I was like, I'm Rick Steves now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you didn't have the Rick Steves sleeves. No, my sleeves were pretty short. They weren't yeah. they weren't past my elbow. And like all flared out. Yeah. Like little flags. I'll I'll get there someday. Someday, yeah. Yeah, you know, you 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 get old, your your skin starts to sag, your sleeves start to sag. <laughs> yeah, and you didn't have one hand in your front pocket either. Dude, you know, I actually did. I think. Did you? <laughs> for, <laughs> for long stretches of that walk. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, the the least cool person mm. in downtown Chicago. Yep. <laughs> anyway, we love Rick Steves, though. He's cool. We 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 do. We do. I mean, the man, he's a dork, but he's he's a dork, but he's an icon. Yeah. And his whole thing is making old people less afraid of the world, and that is such a valuable mission. True. Because there's a lot of fear and paranoia out there. Yeah, all the old people who are like, don't go to Europe, you'll get murdered. You'll get, yeah. You'll there's get like taken. a mass shooting every day in this country. Right, yeah, it's like far more dangerous here in America than, you know, anywhere in continental Europe. But, oh, I saw, you know, Liam Neeson. <laughs> he won't be there to help you. You'll get abducted on the train. That's right, yeah. <laughs> uh... Anyway. anyway, it's been a minute since we've done this thing, this show. It's been a while. We've been, uh, that's right, we've been listening to Stained. Yep. And we wanted to talk about um, their lead singer, Stained. <laughs> Stan Stained. Stan Stained, that's right. <laughs> yeah, why has it been so long? Just I mean, shit, man. Yeah, I feel like there were a couple reasons... In the beginning, which I don't remember what they were. Mm -hmm. And then I lost my phone, so mm -hmm. we couldn't record. Mm -hmm. And then we went on vacation. Right. So. Right. The cool thing is, uh, since we last talked, we've been doing all kinds of music stuff. Yeah. So that's what this episode's going to be, sort of a recap of shows we've seen recently and of the week-long trip we took through the Midwest, through the back door, uh, to see various <laughs> musical locales, uh, in particular, uh, the Twin Cities in Minnesota. Yeah. That was really it. I mean, we went to a few places. Yeah. But uh, yeah. they weren't super musical. Yeah, at least, I mean, maybe they are, but, you know, we went to Milwaukee, and it just doesn't... Uh, come at you with music and music celebrities the way that like Minneapolis does. Right. We listened to some Violent Femmes and to some Les Paul. Yeah, that was good. Well, I didn't <laughs> like the Les Paul. Yeah, the Les Paul was kind of <laughs> shitty. Yeah. It was not 
I mean, I've heard some really cool Les Paul stuff, but that comp didn't have it. It was just really lame stuff. Yeah. Um, anyway, we're getting ahead of ourselves here. Um, I think we're going to start by taking everyone back to, what was it, early May? Late April? I think, I think it was early May. Early May in a little place called Columbus, Ohio. Uh, where, where we live, <laughs> where we live, where we are right now, where we are, where we always are. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, the new pornographers came to town. Yeah, they played at the Newport, which is a cool venue. And new pornographers are a group that I've been into since high school, since I was like, I don't know, 15. 14, 15, something like that, um, that I've always loved. I was really into them in the beginning, like their first three albums I was really into. Yeah. And then I just kind of stopped listening to them. Uh, I don't know why. I think I was just like the time of life when I was exploring so much music that I just let certain artists fall by the wayside. Right. Um, there was that class of indie rock bands and uh, I was super into them from like 2003 to 2007. And then I guess it was college or something. I kind of just dropped all of them and moved on to other things. Same. The New Pornographers is in that class. My Morning Jacket, um, The Strokes, etc. Yeah. So. Yeah. But it turns out the New Pornographers still rule. Um, I listened to all of their discography before the show. And uh, they never lost it. Like, each of their records is pretty great. Um, and they drew from all of them for their set, um, which ruled. Yeah, it was a great set. It was a great show. I had a great time. Um, it was a good crowd. It was... I kind of figured everyone would be, like, around my age. You know, like the aging millennial type. Yeah, and there were a lot of those people. I mean, that was probably most of the people there, like sixty percent or something. Yeah, but there the... were also a lot of like older people, like people like in their fifties, right, and up, which surprised me. Yeah, what the hell is that about? Yeah, what is that about? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> the know. first guy, the first guy I saw heading into the show was just like a thirty-something with glasses. Just this kind of average-looking white guy. He looked like he probably studied like the humanities in college. I'm like, yeah. this, this is a new pornographer's fan right yeah. here. These are my people. Um, yeah, and and a lot of the crowd was like that. They were they were really enjoying it, but uh, uh, a crowd um, um, really pleasantly short on assholes, unlike yeah. say Interpol crowds, um, which are full of assholes. Uh, so anyway, um, that was, that was great. Just being able to enjoy the show. Everyone had fun and nobody got hurt. Yeah. And they're, it's, it's funny seeing the new pornographers cause they're like, I mean, they're, they're getting up there. I mean, they're not like old, but like, they're like, they're in their fifties now. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you just kind of like when you listen to people, in the 2000s and you picture them at the age that they are in the recording uh when yeah. they're in their like 30s it is kind of like a shock to just suddenly see them in their 50s and be like oh yeah 
a lot of time has gone by. And yeah, because <laughs> yeah, uh, the records are eternal. You know, yeah. you'll you'll never age uh, yeah. on a record. And their and music is so like youthful and energetic. It just feels so so vital. Yeah, but I, but the show I felt I thought felt very youthful and energetic. Absolutely. And- they really brought it. There was so much energy. It wasn't like, didn't feel like, oh, they've gotten older and they're like slowing the pace at all. Like, they right. sounded great. Um, right. Nico Case was singing yeah. the whole time, just yeah. front row center on the stage. And she's amazing. Her voice is fantastic. Yeah. It's I funny how the band is a a super group they were formed from the ashes of other bands but but she's the star of the group yeah she's the one everyone knows the name of i think it's carl newman who writes the vast majority of the music but when she came out on stage everyone lost their shit yeah and with good reason because she's got one of the great rock voices i mean yeah the way she sings is just so confident and she like had the mic kind of high up, so her head was, like, tilted upward the entire time. Right. And she's got that, like, long, bushy red hair. And she just sings, like, so clearly and brightly and has such a distinct voice that just, like, resonates so loudly. It's the, it's the like, ideal power pop voice for yeah. one, of the, one of the best power pop bands, I think. It just, it just cuts through everything. It just soars. Yeah, absolutely. So, there's so much great harmony in that group. That's yeah, one of the things I love the most about them. You made the point just how well that translated to a live setting. So many bands that have like more complicated vocal arrangements, something gets lost on stage. It's hard to do. It's hard for everyone to sing well, to mic it well. But they had that down during yeah. the show. Yeah, I thought that was such a cool aspect. Like, they're such a, a great sing-along group. Like, I mean, that's why they might be the, the greatest power pop group of all time. That's what I, I've been saying. That might be, <laughs> might be a hyperbole, but um, <laughs> they're, like, they're, they're so focused on the vocals and, like, layering the vocals. So it feels like this whole chorus is, like, singing to you. Mm-hmm. And all of their songs are so fun to sing along to and then watching them live it was like i mean they had what like eight people on the stage right and like seven of the eight people had like vocal mics right. and were like singing all the parts so it's like it's no wonder that they they create that like sing along element because they really have like every member of the band singing along to every part of the song. Right. They're like, they're inviting you to like join their club. Yeah, know, it's so effective. Them. Yeah, they just treasure the vocal hook so much. They're they're rare now, right? Like yeah. all indie bands now are into vibes and mood and stuff. I mean, I guess that's fine, but you see a band like that that just puts melody and energy like up front and it's it's obviously what I like, but it's I think it's refreshing for anybody to get a bit of that occasionally. Their new record, um, what's it called? Uh, Continue as a guest. Yeah, is more vibey. It was recorded mostly remotely during the pandemic, and definitely has more of like a mellow, chilled out sound. But I thought even those songs sounded really good live. 
Yeah, so. I did too. I listened to that album and I wasn't a big fan because it it lost that energy that they normally have. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, it's more vibes based. It's more like moody and slow. Um, and I just I'm so nostalgic for to the sound of 2000s indie rock. Yeah, it had like so much energy, like music that really rocked. It was really fun. Was yeah, can't strong help melodies it. and shit was just better back then, you know. Yeah. <laughs> No true sign that we're getting old. <laughs> Everything was better when we were young. Um, but I did think that, like, yeah, the songs from the new album sounded great live. Yeah, and, uh, it, it might like help. A great set list, I thought. It, yeah, again, it might help when they're surrounded by, you know, fucking use it, slow descent and alcoholism, uh, fucking closing with the bleeding heart show. These are classics. If you don't know yeah. these songs, you must listen to them. They're so good. <laughs> yeah. I say they're the best power pop band of all time. Just as I was kind of going through like Brill Bruisers and Whiteout Conditions, some of the stuff from the 2010s, just realizing just how consistent they've been. All the records are like 12 or 13 songs. They're all like 40 minutes long. They all sound a little different. But again, really heavy on the melody and just these like really full arrangements that grab you from the get go. So many power pop bands had like, and this is not, this is not like you know something anything to be ashamed of. But so many of them had like one great record in them or right. some great singles. You know, even Big Star was only around for like three records, just to maintain that level of quality and to put on a fucking good show like more than twenty years after you first became a band. Just you know, tip my hat. To, yeah. to our friends from Canada. And they've never stopped, you know? They've consistently released albums, like, every few, few years. Right. Since the corn, it seems like. I mean, I, I don't know. They, maybe they've had a lull. I haven't really looked at all the years their albums came out. But it seems yeah. like it's been pretty consistent. Yeah. It's not like they're rushing to put them out. It's, like, every three right. or four years now. But yeah. I think you... It's like um, like any of the great like pop crafts people, like ABBA or something. Like you get the sense like the twelve that you get are are the ones um, that they really felt great about. You know that they worked on for a while and and just like really perfectly crafted like every single hook. Yeah. Um, did you have a favorite song in the set? Um. Uh. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. You liked Mass Romantic but, a lot, right? Yeah, Mass Romantic was great. Um, Bleeding Heart Show, the final song. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, they didn't do uh, Sing Me Spanish Techno, sadly. And they didn't do Letter from an Occupant. They did The Laws of Change, though. Yeah, that was great. That was one of yeah. my favorites. I really wanted them to play Ladder from an Occupant. Right. That's maybe my favorite song of theirs. Right. It's hard to it's hard to pick just one, but that might be my favorite. If you were making like a CD that was like indie rock in the two thousands, you had like twenty songs. You were just trying to make the best CD possible. You'd fucking put Letter from an Occupant on there. It'd be <laughs> like the first or last song. Yeah. It's it's so That's... good. 
that song is great and that's why so many of their songs are great because like the verse is just as catchy as the chorus yes they're so good at like writing catchy verses yes extremely uncommon yeah yeah i just felt so good after we got out of that show me too it was on a tuesday just leading up to it, I was like, man, I gotta go to this goddamn show. Yeah, I was so tired gonna, that day. I, yeah, I'm just gonna, like, sweat, and, like, I don't even want to drink that much, but... Once you're yeah. there, you're like, oh, yeah. Oh, my God, yes. Good to be alive. Yeah. Be seeing shows. Yeah. Dude, we were born to be alive. That's what I say. We were born to be alive. <laughs> it's good to be alive. <laughs> That's all I really have to say about yeah. the new pornographers. Yeah, you saw another show. Yes, I did. What, a week ago? Yes! It was May the 20th, a day I'll never forget. <laughs> I was talking about this show uh, like back in January or February. Yeah. And at the time, we had wanted to see Belle and Sebastian. They canceled, so we sort of saw the new pornographers as like a makeup show almost. Um, but the Walkmen, uh, they they played uh, in Chicago, May the twentieth. It was the last song of like a four night stand at the Metro Theater in Chicago, which is uh, in the neighborhood of Wrigleyville, aka Gumtown, as I've christened it. Um, I don't know. <laughs> anyway. Okay. Um. Uh, it, it, I mean, it's the best show I've ever seen. You know, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna get that out there. I've, I've never had, I've never just been so ecstatic at a show. And uh, part of it was I liked the band, but I was just not expecting them to bring it, um, like they did. I mean, they're part of like the new pornographers generation. They actually toured together one time. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. And for some reason, I did not go to that show. It was like in Cincinnati or something. They came by here in 2010 or 11. Um, but yeah, so like they're they're not spring chickens exactly, but they fucking played like it. They mm. played like they were just like teenagers in a garage, just like full tilt, throwing everything into these songs, like some of which are are kind of chilled out. Um, and like adult mature ballads, but a lot of them, like the Rat, Angela Surf City, All Hands in the Cook, these are screamers. These are, like, <laughs> I, you know, like 
high energy songs um and they just seem so happy to be there and play them and uh, we should say that like they haven't played a show in year like how many years like right 10 years more yeah. or more and they've kind of like they didn't break up but they've been on hiatus hiatus right so they released yeah. their last record heaven in 2012 since then they've all done solo projects of some kind and just kind of uh, rejoined out of the blue earlier this year. I don't know if they're going to record new music. I think it was mostly just to to hang out and play some shows. But they played on Stephen Colbert's show a month ago, and on Instagram they they shared like their group chat. Apparently, they did not rehearse at all <laughs> before they went on that show. That's hilarious. They were asking each other like, uh, "So are we going to meet up and try this?" And all the other members were like, "No." Absolutely not. We're not doing that. <laughs> like, does that mean that they haven't played? They hadn't played together in like a decade. And they they live all over like the world. They live all. I mean, they they said this at the show. Paul Maroon lives in Spain. Oh wow. Ham's still in New York City. Peter Bowers in L.A. Matt Barrick's in Philadelphia, and Walter Martin's in upstate New York. So like okay. far flung, you know. I don't know if they'd really even hung out prior to like this series of shows. Um, so like even the show that I saw, like there were missed notes and stuff. There were points when I was like watching Peter Bauer playing the bass, like looking at the organ player, like trying to determine the chords. Of the <laughs> but wow. it just like the, just like the good vibes, like carried through. It was just yeah. so loud and so rocking. It must've just been so thrilling for them. Like I think about like the Beatle, like watching, uh, get back Right. And how they are reminiscing about when they used to like, play live shows and just how like thrilling those are and how you really come alive as a band and how you're just like just a live element. Like you're kind of flying by the seat of your pants. Nothing compares and, to it. Yeah. And I'm sure like for them, it was like especially thrilling because they hadn't done it for so long. They're probably just so geeked to be together again. And like, yeah, you know, there's probably nerves because you're like, can we pull this off? Like, I don't really know what I'm doing, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm sure it makes like the adrenaline kick in even yeah. more. And it makes you try even harder. I think, too, this is probably the first time in their history that their audience has been completely sympathetic to what they're about. <laughs> they have so many stories about like showing up to a bar and two people are there or playing a university starting with their most atonal song and like alienating everybody in the crowd. Um, the people at that show were geeked for this yeah. and people were singing along. I know me and my Emily, you were not there tragically. Tragically. Um, I don't think he <laughs> wanted me there. I didn't, yeah. I didn't feel welcome. <laughs> yeah. Cause you thought it was a bro show. Yeah. Uh, yeah me and my yeah. brothers were just, yeah, the screaming section, the people around us too. We were just like every single word. We were just like jumping up and down. I was completely wet when I left the venue because Gross. I was sweating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Good. To, uh, explain. Because I was turned on. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, we're gonna cut that uh, <laughs> uh yeah i think it's really cute though that like you and your brothers got together <laughs> to like go to the show for this band that like you guys especially love like, yeah plenty of walkman fans but i feel like they're not like super beloved no as far as like 
2000 never, fans go but like you and your yeah. brother are all huge fans so. they they talk about this in that book meet me in the bathroom how there were certain bands that really leapt into into popularity into like worldwide renown the white stripes the strokes the yeah yeah yeahs and they were always kind of bubbling under the surface and never for whatever reason either because they didn't want it or the circumstances weren't right they never crossed over into that territory you know, The Rat is a song that indie rock fans know. Um, it's a classic. They played it. Like, it was like the third song they played. It ruled. Um, but that's about it in terms of, like, any kind of mainstream acceptance. Uh, other than that, they're, like, kind of a cult. Well, but me and my brothers are, like, happily part of that cult. There was so. that other song that was in that commercial that car commercial that's right, was, was it a car commercial it was yeah it's the first song they ever wrote apparently we've been what had it? what oh yeah we've been had yeah. and yeah it was the last song they played and there was something very poignant about it again it was such like a generous show they're not a band that was when i think of bands that like not that they don't care about their fans but they would kind of come on stage and be sort of standoffish and weird a lot of the time back in the day but they just seemed excited to be there they came out for a three-song encore and ham just started hamilton lighthouser just started he got on the mic and started talking about like just the early days and like them screwing around and he was just like yeah this was the first song we ever wrote and if you need to know the story of the walkman like this is where it begins it's called we've been had and they just started that piano intro and it was just like very poignant and that's that's their sing-along uh even more than the rat which you can scream and jump to and pump your fist to um, but people were singing along and then at the end, like Hamilton just jumped into the crowd, the rest of the band, they kind of like held out this final note and then finally played it. It was so loud and so mm -hmm. good. And I was like, awesome. that's it. This seals the deal. I've, I've never, I've never seen a better show. <laughs> <laughs> so... like was it all like people your age yes like, did they all seem to be like super fans there was not a single person there i think who was younger than 20 um it seemed like most people um obviously they cared about the rat we even had but they were playing stuff from their album you and me they were playing four provinces uh they played a lot of stuff from their first three records and it seemed like they got a good response for everything so I think a lot of the people there were were really excited to see them. Um, so That's yeah, awesome. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was a great way to start the uh, the trip. Um, the the music the music Midwest trip. I don't know what we yeah. want to call it. <laughs> the real mid the taste of the Midwest. You already called it Midwest through the back door. That's right. Yeah, the back door that is Chicago um just kidding it's a great city uh yeah so from uh from chicago emily you joined forces with me yep. <laughs> yeah. not, having not seen the walkman and having yeah. your mind blown um, that was like all i wanted to talk about i love how day. like your fa your favorite show of all time is a show that i was not at and 
my favorite show of all time was also a show that you were not at. And what I'm was that Paul, show? Paul McCartney. Okay, yeah. <laughs> not because it was like the the best quality show I've ever seen, but it was just like the biggest figure, biggest yeah. musical figure of my life. Right. It was like being in the same room as Jesus. Jesus Christ. Christ. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. It was, I mean, it was a great show. Like, it was great quality, great set. He loves to perform. Yeah. You know, I mean, obviously, to... we've said this a million times, Paul McCartney, just just one of the untouchable legends, one of the three greatest musicians who's ever lived. Um, and even at 80, I think, he can still just get you on your fucking feet, you know? Yeah. He's so. still got it. And I think it's, you know, there's no comparison with him in the Walkman because, like, <laughs> Paul is, he's like... very different. Yeah. He's going to Syracuse. He's selling out, like, what, like, a 40,000-person arena. Uh, oh, there's, like, kids and there's old people there and stuff. Whereas, like, the yeah. Walkman, it's just aging millennials. It's, like, 2,000 aging white millennials kind of drunk, you know, in a theater in Chicago. Yeah. But it's, it's the same kind of thing, I think, where it's, like, you've invested so much of your life into these songs into in just, like learning about these people and stuff and, and just feeling them very deeply. And then you go and you kind of pay tribute to the master and it just like blows you away. Yeah. God. Cool. Yeah. Someday we'll see a show together. That's fair. I mean, we saw the new pornographers. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> oh, we've seen plenty of great shows together. That's right. So. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. 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 But anyway, so that was kind of the start of our trip. And then we, uh, Made our way north up um, the west side of Lake Michigan, up to Milwaukee, mm-hmm. and really didn't do anything musical there, <laughs> except we saw like where Summerfest is. Uh, yeah. We we cool. walked to the empty grounds of Summerfest, yeah. <laughs> being like, oh, "I'll bet you there's good shows here." Yeah, it was cool. I seem yeah. it seems like a a fun festival. I would love to go to someday. But. We also talked to that one guy who was doing touch tunes for a while. I don't know if that counts as a musical moment for you. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, just so we went to this bar, and this middle-aged guy was like, I guess he just could tell that we liked music. Um, yeah, what were we rocking like, out to? I don't, I don't even remember. Yeah, but he just came over and started talking to us because he had been like playing the jukebox. Um, just loading it up with a bunch of songs and he came over and started talking to us and he talked to us for like an hour yeah <laughs> about music <laughs> uh yeah i mean that was kind of cool <laughs> kind of, yeah kind we were like four beers deep at that point that made it probably cooler than it actually yeah was. yeah yeah good old alcohol Yep. Just kind of smoothing things out a little bit. <laughs> yeah. You're, in, you're abroad. You're in a foreign town. Just some weirdos <laughs> talking to you about uh, 21 pilots or whatever. <laughs> and, and you're like, all right, man. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. But anyway. Yeah. We, we blew out of Milwaukee. We just raced that. Actually, Milwaukee's a great town. We lo- yeah. We loved Milwaukee. It was awesome. But uh, we, were, we were eager to get to the Twin Cities and uh, stomp the grounds of some of our heroes, some of the some of the all-time greats. Yeah. Like Prince namely and the right. replacements. Right. But uh, also 
you know, there's all kinds of Bob Dylan stuff in the Twin Cities. He's from Minnesota, of course. We didn't do a lot of Husker Du related things, but you know, they're like the complimentary band of the replacements. And I was I was on the lookout for these people, like literally looking <laughs> were for Were you like, really? Yes. Like the whole time we were there, I was looking for replace the replacements themselves. I was looking for Husker yeah. Du. Probably wouldn't I mean they just look like normal people, right? They're the most normal yeah. looking dudes. Um but yeah, I absolutely had my eyes peeled, especially because like we went to like the heart, the heart of it all, you know, or we tried to anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Great cities. Um, I mean, I guess it's all, it's all, we say Twin Cities, but it's really all Minneapolis. I don't think any <laughs> of these musicians really came from St. Paul, right? I think the members of Husker do. I think Grant Hart grew up there or something. Okay. It's about it though. Charles Schulz grew up there, but he's not a musician. He's a cartoonist. <laughs> no. <yeah>. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he's a musician of the pencil. Yeah. Yeah, he did not write uh the the soundtrack to the Charlie. Linus Brown and Lucy. Show. Vince Guaraldi, baby. Yeah. Um yeah, I just love how proud Minneapolis is of of their music scene and of all the artists that have come out of that city. Yes. I mean, just driving around, like we saw a huge Prince mural. Um, I know there's another Prince mural we did not see on this trip, but I saw on a previous trip. Um, there's a huge Bob Dylan mural that takes up the entire side of a building, which is like pretty much like a whole block. Uh, yeah. Right yeah. there, smack dab in the middle of downtown. Yeah, really cool mural. Um, and then there's the the First Avenue Cedar mm-hmm. that we saw, legendary venue, right? That has um, on the on like the walls outside, so it's on a corner, like the entrance is on a corner of a block, and both walls on either side are just covered with these black stars with like the names of all the artists who perform there mm-hmm. just all legendary i mean it's pretty wild like how many famous people have played yes and it's pretty First small Avenue. looking theater right there's one gold star one gold star and that's prince right because he shines above the rest yeah and also i mean weren't the the live scenes on Purple Rain were filmed there, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. So just a, a towering figure. Again, to, as you were saying, um, it's just, it's very cool to be in a city, a humble city like Minneapolis. That was much bigger than I expected, but um, just a city that cares so much about its native sons and daughters. It's like a model for, granted, they have fucking, when Prince comes from your city, like you should celebrate that but it, like we went to for example i'm wearing a dayton ohio t-shirt right now we went there and there's like a pretty sad lack of commemoration for just all the amazing musicians that have come out of dayton ohio yeah you would think that they would embrace that because right it's a small city and um not the most vital seeming city I've ever been to. <laughs> and you would think that they would have a lot of pride 
for for that because right. there are so many great artists that have come out of that small city. They have like the Very International awesome. Museum of of Funk, or at, at one point it was well, open. I don't think it is anymore. Yeah, I think it was only open for a couple of years. Yeah, they just couldn't but, make a go of it. I think COVID might have had something to do with that. Just that scene, and then the Deal Sisters, and of course, Guided by Voices. Like they should have whole blocks of Dayton for tourists, but also just for the people who live there. That's like Dayton fucking rules. Look at all these amazing musicians that came out of goddamn Dayton. Yeah, <laughs> Minneapolis, like you, it feels more like that. They just, I don't know. It just seems like a city that's invested in like arts and culture broadly speaking. There's like the sculpture garden. There's like these amazing bookstores, and then there's these music sites that you just run into. Yeah. Yeah, so we went on a little walking tour um, one of the days that we were there. We just found it online. Um, it was published in like 2019, I want to say. And basically it was just like some guy was like, if you're a rock fan in Minneapolis and you want to see some historical sites, uh, here's a little walking tour. I think it was like three miles altogether. Mm-hmm. And we didn't do the entire thing, um, but it's all rooted in Uptown, which is where the replacements are from. It's where Prince is from. Yeah, you might have heard that it's where you want to be. <laughs> yeah, if you're familiar with the Prince song called Uptown. <laughs> if not, listen to it. It's a good song. Imagine if your neighborhood had a song about it and Prince wrote that fucking song. Yeah, it's pretty cool. If, if there was like... <laughs> San Margarita. It's really fucking cool. San Margarita. <laughs> it's like not, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, the the walking tour was like really useful. Just that that neighborhood, South Minneapolis, uptown, whatever you want to call it. The 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 book I read about the replacements, I think Bob Stinson talks about how all the great bands, they were just like in that triangle that's like Hennepin uh, Lake Street, Bryan Avenue. I forget the street that's like on the north side. But just every group, there was just something about that area that was very conducive to like rock and roll. Um. Yeah, it's interesting. And we, so we walked by the um, the Let It Be house. So the replacements album, Let It Be. The album cover is a picture of the four band members on the roof of a house and that house was the the Stinson's house mm-hmm. uh, Bob and Tommy Stinson and the band would practice there um, and they did a photo shoot on the roof but that house is still there and uh, and it's it's actually right by Prince's first apartment which yeah, we still walk away. it's just wild like how close together they were yeah, and you were saying that Paul Westerberg and and Prince went to the same high school. Yeah, just for a little bit, and they and weren't in the same graduating class. It's just crazy to think of them like, like you know, ships in the night going down a hall yeah. of fucking school. You know, two of the greatest singers and songwriters this country has ever produced. Just nuts, two, and yeah, and such different music too. Yeah, in different personalities. Yeah, seriously, I think both like. Egomaniacs. <laughs> you <know>? yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, uh, just prodigiously talented people. Yeah. Yeah. It was cool seeing the Let It Be House 
Um, because they, whoever, I don't know if it's the people who live there now, but one of the owners, like, they put up this stained glass window in, on the second floor, and it's of that album cover. So you can see, like, the four guys, like, sitting on the roof in this stained glass window, which is, yeah. I thought was just really cool to commemorate. Yeah. Like, they recognize it's a special place. I don't know if they if they bought the house because of that history or like if they were even aware of it when they bought it. Um, <laughs> it's a nice house. Yeah. And all clearly, of a sudden these like weirdos are showing up on your side. Right, like, like wait, what the hell? But clearly they know, they know about the history and yeah, it and is honored cool. it with that window. I was, I was trying to find like a Dylan equivalent for like the essentially punk tour that we did the walking tour and it's sad because so many of the Bob Dylan sites in in good old Dinky Town are just no longer there. Like they were mm-hmm. they were raised like in the seventies or eighties or whatever. People didn't think they were important, or you know, developers had their way. So just just knowing that this house, which is like such an iconic part of the replacement story, is still intact. You know, it, it looks like it does on the album cover. Just like a great uh, gathering place for. Uh, you know, rock and roll roll misfits like me and you. Minnesota like two a year and a half two years ago uh, and I saw Bob Dylan's childhood home there and it actually reminded me a lot of the replacements home but yeah. like clearly in like a a less wealthy neighborhood but just like the same like kind of size and shape and everything yeah and uh we stopped it's, and it's, I don't know if it's even marked at all there might have been something, but anyway, there's like, you know, no fanfare. Like, there's nobody around there. But we were taking pictures, and then the owner, like, came out on the front porch and just started talking to us. And it seemed like he, like, bought the house as a music fan. Um, I think kind of, like, saved the house. And he, I think he said that he, like, he does tours. Well, like, he lets people, like, come in. Sometimes mm-hmm. when it's open, like whatever that means, uh, <laughs> and like shows people around. But... You guys can't come in, but right. sometimes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then he like awkwardly gave us his CD because he's like, "Oh, musician, here's my CD," but it yeah. was like recorded in the eighties. <laughs> I wonder if he bought that house just so he could hand out his CD to people. Right. <laughs> yeah. Every other method wasn't working, so he's like, "You know, what I'm going to do. I'm going to buy Bob Dylan's boyhood <laughs> home." Yeah, I'm going to make all these music fans come by and then bombard them with my music yeah yeah (laughs) yeah there was no such person waiting for us at the replacements house no on bryant (laughs) avenue Uh, yeah yeah, it was just great to see though yeah 
Yeah, and then like down the street, we went to the CC Club. Hell yeah! Which was the replacement's favorite bar to hang out in, and guess what? It's my favorite bar now too. Yeah, (laughs) great. It was a great bar. Great vibes. It's pretty big in there. Um, It's on a corner. It's just a total dive. It's really dark in there. Like lots of wood paneling. Um, lots of classic beer paraphernalia, um, jukebox, great music playing in there. Yeah, it's a touch tunes now, which is kind of sad. I think it used to be the, the real the deal. Real deal. Yeah. But it did seem like the clientele kind of all agreed that the music should be good in this bar. Yeah, it would definitely felt like a hipster bar, which it probably wasn't back in the day. It was probably just like dingy yeah tag people yeah but but i think that the neighborhood uptown has changed a lot um yeah much more wealthy than it used to be because it used to be like pretty bohemian and artsy from what i understand yeah that's why prince was into it yeah um but that was really fun to just like imagine the replacements hanging out there and just like getting drunk and yeah. Stumbling back home. I mean, you could totally walk there from the, yeah. the Stinson's house. Because again, I read a book uh, while I was in Minneapolis called Oliver But the Shouting. It's an oral history of the replacements by Jim Walsh. And to hear him talk about it, like they pretty much did live at the CC Club. You know, it, it like was like that corner with the record store across the street. They would just kind of go back and forth between those two places, have a couple fucking grain belts go to the record store, play some, play some like the only ones or whatever, just talk about music and then just head back to the CC club and then wander home whenever. Yeah. So cool. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> so it's just fun. If you're a replacements fan uh, and you're in Minneapolis, definitely recommend going there. Cause it's just, it's a cool bar. It's a lot of fun. And it's just, it's fun to imagine them like, Sitting in one of those yeah. booths. And oh my god, Tommy sat here! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we saw another um, important musical stop on our walking tour. Hell yeah, we did. <laughs> that was the grave of Tiny Tim. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think that's where you were going. Oh, what Sorry. were you going to say? Yeah, that's... That is so important, though. I thought we were yeah. going to talk about Paisley Park here, but uh, oh, no, yes, I walking tour. Yes, yeah. I didn't even know, like before we visited um, Minneapolis, that it was the final resting place of 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 you know one of one of my personal heroes. <laughs> yeah, we didn't realize it, but we were we were looking at that little walking tour, and they mentioned the uh, Lakewood Cemetery. Yes, and how Tiny Tim was buried there. And we're like, it's just down the street. I mean, we have to go. So we did. It was a beautiful day. Beautiful cemetery. Um, we had some trouble finding it. He's, he's in a <laughs> mausoleum. And we went to the wrong mausoleum. Classic. And we were we went through like every single room, like trying to find his name. And yeah. it was just awkward because we're like in shorts and t-shirts and sandals and it's just like so quiet and fancy and like just has that funeral parlor smell yeah 
And I just kept thinking we were going to get stopped by somebody. Like, hey, what are yeah. you punks doing here? Yeah. Like, oh, uh, young, we're uh, excuse me. Excuse me, young, <laughs> uh, young man. Yeah. <laughs> but eventually we found the right one. And uh, found we found the thing. right mausoleum. And <laughs> yes, <laughs> we did find Tiny Tim's crypt. Yeah. Uh, yeah, what can I say? Sadly, there were sadly there were no tulips there. No, but um, there were flowers for some other people. Yeah, I don't know if you said this, but he was not even from Minneapolis. Right, he he just he died just there. I think that's his there. only connection to yeah. that city. Um, yeah, it's kind of interesting. They right, didn't want to move the body and just kept it there. Yeah, but, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like a good place for him, though. Just given the things we've said, it's a freaky place, you know? <laughs> like, Uptown yeah. is designed for, like, just kind of people who don't kind of fit squarely into any area. Yeah. So. Oh, and then there was one more spot that we saw after that that we really wanted to stop at, but we couldn't. Um, and that's the Bob Stinson bench. Mm -hmm. So... Bob Simpson died when he was, what, 35? 35, Of yeah. a drug overdose, tragically. You know, apparently it wasn't even that. Oh, really? The way, again, the way the book I read says it is that his body just kind of collapsed. That it was more like the accrual of years of drugs and alcohol that killed him. Oh, it wasn't geez. any particular single event that did him in. Wow. But there's still, like, a lot of mystery surrounding it, too, so... Um, I mean, suffice that's to crazy, because he was so young for his body. Just like, I know. I know. But, yeah. He, he had a He had a hard, hard life. Um, so, and obviously, like, a, a sudden and awful death. But the city of Minneapolis uh, has chosen to uh, to honor his legacy with this bench that just sits there Right well, in the space between those two legs. I'm sorry, it might not be the city. Yeah, right. it was his parents, I'm pretty sure. Okay, yeah. Yeah, like bought this bench. Okay. For him. Or in his memory. Yeah. Yeah, and apparently, like, he would, he was just like an inveterate walker. He was just always wandering around. People would see him on the sidewalk. Sometimes, like, in a sad way. You're just like, where's this guy going? But sometimes in, like, kind of a dreamy, romantic way. He was very into, like, watching the sunrise so he'd always like be wandering toward the lakes which are on the west side of uptown and just kind of sitting there and like gazing at the water and he loved to fish and stuff so like having that bench there seems like a perfect way to kind of honor his memory yeah and we went for that epic walk on our trip and um walked down the cemetery and walked walked past the lake that i can't pronounce and then we were like, all right, let's stop at his bench. This is going to be a great place to rest and to just, you know, reflect on his life. Yeah, and let the dog but, breathe a little bit. Yeah, because our dogs were screaming. Uh, and by dogs, we mean our feet. We don't have dogs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but we got there, and sure enough, there were two people fishing on the bench. Yeah. So we could not stop, sadly. But it felt right that people were using the bench to fish and enjoy that nice spot. In the right way. Yeah. Yeah. So that was cool. Yeah. 
we really enjoyed that walking tour. Um, unfortunately, uh, somewhere along the way, I forgot that we were uh, in the central time zone and not the eastern time zone. Uh, so when we went finally to Paisley Park, Princess Estate, we were 45 minutes late. Yeah, so Paisley I'm not proud. Park, <laughs> Paisley Park, uh, Princess Compound, where he lived, worked, recorded, performed, um, shot music videos. Yeah, yeah, basically did it all from his uh, from his manor at Paisley Park, his slash corporate office slash now like you know tourist hive. Uh, yeah. So it's on the west side um, of Minneapolis, like in the suburbs. It's like a, I don't know, like a 40-minute drive out of the city, something like that. Um, but they do tours there, and we had booked a tour for 3 o'clock. And we were both really excited for this tour, because they're both big Prince fans. And last time I was in Minneapolis, I didn't get to go. Um, I was with my family, and they aren't really into Prince. And then I was like, oh, I'll just go by myself. But it, the tour was sold out. Um, so anyway, we were really looking for this tour. And we had, like, planned our day around it. And we were, like, left at what we thought was the right time to get there early, get settled in. <laughs> we roll yeah. up. We didn't want to <laughs> fuck it up. You know, we were right. like, get there early. And yeah. the tickets were not cheap. They were like $70 a piece. Yeah. For like a 90-minute tour. Um, but we roll up, and there's like, the parking lot's like all blocked off, and it says you have to like stop at this booth to check in. We pull up to the booth, and the guy's like, hey, what are you guys doing here? And we're like, oh, we've got a four o'clock tour. Um, where do we park? And he's like, oh, you want to hear something funny? <laughs> Gets on his walkie-talkie. And he's like, hey, do we have a four o'clock tour today? And they're like, nope, last tour was at three. And then we, you realize what had happened. And that was that we booked the tour for three, <laughs> but your phone... Since we changed time zones, your phone had changed the yeah. time of the tour to four o'clock. Yeah, love my fucking iPhone. Yeah, so yeah. helpful. So convenient. Yep. So anyway, it's my we got fault. There. I can't blame it on the phone. It's my fault. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> anyway. It's 3.45 and the tour had started at 3 um fortunately they were able to catch us up with the rest of the group and we got to see the second half of the tour yeah but it was a wild experience like the security was no joke intense there's like many people in suits milling about as soon as we walked in they were like phones off yeah all they, like they all just felt like so like tall to me and, just, uh -huh. like, <laughs> and they steal in, your like, phones flags. off all they see your phones up in those bags, you know. Yeah, they, to make they sure. make you put your phone. You have to turn your phone off and then put it in a bag, and which they lock with a magnet. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, and then they just kept like the every like they use the walkie talkies to like tell each other like where everybody is at all times. And right. We met up with the tour guide. It was like. 
basically it seemed like they had to like every room we went to he would get on the walkie-talkie and like tell the other people the other staff members like okay the the tour group is now like entering the beautiful one's room and then they would like unlock the door to like the beautiful ones and then like lock the t- and then we'd all enter and then they would like lock the door behind us <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of ridiculous. It felt excessive but in that yeah. way. It also felt like true to Prince's vision. Too. Yeah. yeah. I was like, if I don't think he would ever admit me into his home when he was alive. Um, but, but if he did, it would be like, it would be locked down. You know, it would be yeah. like, yeah, you got to ask for permission to get into this part. I guess they're just, they don't want people to like take any photos or videos um or like i mean obviously yeah. i don't feel this yeah stuff, but <laughs> it just seems weird it's like he's dead he's not like recording anything new like i would understand if they didn't want people to like steal like stuff that he was working on yeah or like steal tapes or something like that you know and like sell them but I or one know, of his just... 500 pairs of shoes yeah. yeah it just seemed kind of excessive but but it was a cool tour. We saw, we started in, well, he, he, the guy graciously, like, when he was catching us up to the rest of the tour group, he shared with us, like, what we were, what we'd missed and let us, like, look at stuff really quickly. And we got to see yeah. like, his office and the recording studio and just, like, some paraphernalia. And uh, then we met up with the group. They were in the Purple Rain room. And we got to see the bike from the movie. Some of the outfits. Dude, do you think uh, they're going to know that we recorded this? And are revealing (laughs) the secrets of Paisley Park and they'll shut it down? (laughs) It just occurred to me. It's like, oh, Emily, maybe you shouldn't mention the bike. Yeah. 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 You can't even talk about it. You know, you have to like sign a waiver. You'll never share with anyone. Like, what yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> do not, do not talk about the bike. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, sorry, you were saying Purple yeah, Rain like Room. A, like a part of like the a handwritten screenplay for the film. Um, yeah, that was pretty cool. And then, and then we went into the beautiful ones room, which was just Prince's shoe collection. Which yeah, was insane. So many shoes. All high heeled. All high, all little like short boots too. It's yeah. like the same size heel, like all the same shape. Yeah, with so many different like colors and patterns and shoes that dude was like moving in. I just couldn't believe it. Yeah, and they talked about that. Like he he really like 
put a lot of pressure on those shoes. He was just like, I mean, he was like James Brown, like just jumping around, yeah, slamming his feet into the ground constantly. There was a whole subsection that was just damaged shoes, shoes with friction burns, shoes where the heel had busted off. Yeah, so his like his his cobbler like put all this effort into like reinforcing the shoes so that they wouldn't break. His cobbler. And they'd, cobbler. and they'd have to, like, bring extra pairs of shoes. Yeah. He was, like, rehearsing or performing in case they broke. Um, one thing I thought was funny was that there was like, a little video with his shoe designer who was, like, talking about how Prince went through a phase where he was really into light-up shoes. <laughs> <laughs> his shoes, like, I'm sure you had a pair. Or, no, I think you said you didn't. But I, I certainly had a pair, along with many kids. Of my generation. Or, like, every step you take, like, the heel lights up. Every step you <laughs> take, I'll so be like, lighting shoes. His anyway. designer would, like, build the shoe, and then he would, like, he would buy just those, like, cheap kid shoes from Payless or whatever. And, like, yeah, dissect from a, them. Just, like, a, a pair of L.A. lights for, yeah. like, a fifth grader. Yeah. And he would like take out the light light up mechanism and then like install it into Prince's shoe and like the sole <laughs> of the shoe and then like like seal it yeah. back together. So, I mean, what else was this multi millionaire like... pop star supposed to do? You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's so funny. Uh, what else did we see? We saw like his. His there was a whole room. The, the place is like organized in a way that's very disorienting. You kind of wander through these corridors and there's like photos on the wall and you're just like lose your sense of direction. And then suddenly you're in a, a room that's like kind of themed about a certain part of his career. So we saw a room that was mostly about um, like the unpronounceable symbol part of his career. The Prince in the 90s, basically. The artist formerly known as and all that stuff. Yeah, um, it was maybe the only room that we went into that had windows. Yeah, because yeah. I think he was. It was kind of like his study. Like he could go there to like reflect and right. Like, there yeah. was some nice, nice looking couches. Very like extravagant couches that we could not sit on. Of course, yeah, but, of course not. Yeah, I thought it was interesting though hearing like the the tour guide explained why he changed his name to the symbol. Mm-hmm. Um. He was saying how, like, the 90s were, like, a very, um, uh, what's the word? Like, misunderstood time. Right. Prince. Because everybody was just, like, it was a huge joke. It was just, like, oh, yeah, the artist formerly known as Prince. And it just seemed like this really, like, pretentious thing of that somebody who was, like, past their prime had done, like, for for publicity. But he explained that he he did it because he was in contract with Warner Brothers for, like, until the end of the decade, until, like, December 31st, 1999. Um, and he hated Warner Brothers. They were just, like, controlling every aspect of his art, and he felt really repressed by them. And... Um, yeah, he compared it to slavery. Him, yeah. Yeah, and they they own the rights to his name. So anything that had the name Prince on it, they would get royalties on. Um, so he basically just changed his name to that symbol, which he'd already like been into the symbol aspect. Like it was a blend of the male and female signs and he'd been using it like for many years. And 
he like evolved that symbol, but he changed his name to the symbol and made sure to say like it's unpronounceable because he didn't want the Warner Brothers to like have the rights to his name anymore. So he didn't use the name Prince at all. And if like people called him Prince, he would correct them and say that's not my name anymore. Yeah. Um, but then he, but then yeah, once he once he was out of the contract, he changed his name back to Prince. And they showed us a video of him, like, um, you know, this press conference where he explains that he's changed his name back to Prince and why. And that, uh, and then he released his album Emancipation, which is all about his contracts ending and him being free and a triple album yeah he had been saving (laughs) up like all this material because he didn't want warner brothers to own like his good stuff and so for many years in the 90s he would just release albums that were basically like he was obligated to release what i think it was like three more albums with warner brothers yeah and so he would just release kind of like b-sides like stuff that he didn't think was his best work but he would release it on an album because he had to release something and then he was saved up like all the good stuff and then finally when his contract ended he released all the good stuff on that triple album emancipation Mm -hmm. yeah it's an amazing story i don't know the 90s that well for prince we listened to a couple of his albums on the road trip and they were quite good um but just like looking back on it again, the idea that people could look at him and be like, "What a has been, what a freak," um, those people were were fucking wrong. It's like, <laughs> what, what a pioneer! What a person who like cares about their art, you know, who wants to do it on their own terms. Yeah, the tour guide even said like, Warner Brothers was kind of uh, a famously like generous label to its artists. The replacements actually signed to Warner when they finally made the move to a major yeah. label. The, the Flaming Lips signed to Warner in the 90s, knowing like, okay, they'll kind of let us do what they want. But like the things that Prince wants are going to always be idiosyncratic. That's what makes him awesome. And just see, I mean, it's still the music industry. It still sucks. So the idea that like he would sort of spend all that time just kind of like warring with it, just intent on doing things his own way. I mean, it's really... It's it's really cool, honestly. Uh, I think for fans too. Like fans should want that. They shouldn't want yeah. like artists to make this this like processed product. You know, they they should want them to like dig deep and like give them something that's interesting and personal. And I think Prince, God love him, was always doing that. He never stopped doing that. Yeah. Um, and the tour guide explained too that like because somebody asked well, why did he sign with Warner Brothers in the first place if they were like that. Yeah. Tour guide made the, the point that like they weren't always like that. You know, yeah. people signed to them because they allowed artists like a lot of um freedom and creativity. And then over time they just got like more and more greedy. Right. I think with a guy like Prince, there's this expectation, like you look at you think about the eighties and Purple Rain and Kiss and all that stuff, and you're like, this guy is going to make hits. This guy is going to be selling millions of records. That's what he should be doing. But I think there's a point in his career where, I mean, I think Prince did want to be popular and did want to be beloved and deserved those things. But there was a point when, like, he kind of did fall out of the mainstream. And then if you're the record label, you're like, mm, what the fuck? But yeah. you know what? Those people, 
we'll never understand. <laughs> it's about yeah. the music, yeah. Yeah, and because it's Warner Brothers, they own the rights to all of his movies too. Yeah. I didn't even realize he had more than one movie. I thought it was just Purple Rain, but yeah, we should definitely do an episode where we like review all the Prince movies. Well, they're not supposed to be good, so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, like if exactly, Purple Rain yeah. is like considered the good one, then yeah, that yeah. doesn't make me hopeful. For <laughs> I mean, I yeah. love Purple this Rain is... <laughs> because it's Prince, but it's not like a great. Uh, not not exactly a hard it's day's only, night. You it's know? only great because of him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You see the man, like him in his youth, and obviously those live performances are priceless. Um, you know the story, <laughs> the, the acting. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not, um, yeah, but. yeah, yeah. Then I guess the final place we saw on the tour was the um, was like the performance hall, whatever. You well, we it. saw his the the film studio. Did you mention that? I'm sorry. Oh, that's what I meant. It was like a film. Well, it's like a film. It studio, was a sound. It was like a massive sound stage. Sound stage. Yeah. Yeah. I just couldn't believe. Like, uh, I mean, again, it's it's like a Hollywood level sort of set. So it was it was so spacious, and the ceilings were like sky high, just like in the middle of his uh, of his home, quote unquote. Yeah, and there's been a lot of films that have been recorded there, and commercials and stuff mm -hmm. but they also do events there like a prince would perform in there uh yeah, yeah actually that was really cool because he would say like yeah how do you if you're prince how do you put on a, a concert for the public and you're such a huge pop star but it's such a small venue mm -hmm. so what he would do is he would just announce that he was going to put on a show like the night prior like two in the morning um and just say like hey here's you know my show tomorrow at this time and uh, there's probably just like a few hundred tickets and that he would put up for sale mm -hmm. and then uh and then close off the sale right and those very lucky people got to go see him in this extremely intimate venue oh can you imagine at, at his home ah! so cool yeah, it's just like his final tour that we uh, very sadly were not able to see was kind of the same principle, the yeah. hit room thing. You know, just like him being interested in intimate settings, of playing for like a group of diehards, you know, of, of, cause like arena shows, all due respect to your Paul McCartney show, like a, a lot is lost, I think, yeah, if you're a musician absolutely. or a fan. And Prince cares so much about performing and I think so much about connecting with his audience and just like wanting to do that, even as this major pop star, finding interesting ways to sort of negotiate that. Just another reason why, uh, why I love him. Yeah. And I know they still do events in that space where they'll do like Prince themed like dance parties and stuff, which yeah. would be so fun to go to. Like if you lived in Minneapolis and you could... Just drive over for a fun night. Yeah. Very cool. Um, and they had a little cafe in there. Yeah. Like, I don't really understand, like, who, like, who gets to go to that cafe. Like, <laughs> it wasn't like, clear if we were allowed to be in there. Yeah, honestly. there were, like, people in there. Just, yeah. like, a handful. Like, who are these people? I just assumed they were, like, yeah, cool. People in Prince's circle. Prince's family. Yeah. Cool. It's like, all right. Exactly. 
It's like, maybe I'll get a scone and then get the fuck out of here. I'm not going to linger <laughs> yeah, around, though. Because right. these armed guards are going to come up to me right. and uh, throw me out otherwise. Yeah, yeah, and then when you leave, like, when you leave the parking lot, it's like a gate. You have to, like, wait for the gate to open. Yes. Just, yeah, interesting experience, but I thought it was awesome. <laughs> it was the best. It's Graceland for cool people. Yeah. Yeah. And that was the cheap tour. They have like two other levels. Um, they're even more expensive. And you apparently get to see other stuff. The one of them, like the the highest level, is like the recording experience or something where you get to like record in his studio or something. Yeah, <laughs> which is awesome. Yeah. But like, what, yeah. what, you, what would I record? I would record our yeah. podcast. And, yeah. Like, yeah, <laughs> dude, that'd be great. Yeah, we're uh, live at Paisley Park, and uh, yeah, yeah, no, no, just I love the idea. It's like Prince recorded these great songs here, and now you can record a really shitty song that you wrote here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, but yeah, that kind of sums up the tour, the trip, I guess. Right, we spent another night at the CC Club. Yeah, we had to go back. We had to. Just such a great. Yeah, yeah, we had to bomb the jukebox with Mm -hmm. all Minneapolis music. That's right. Not the time because they've been banned. (laughs) Time has been banned. (laughs) So weird. (laughs) Really curious how that happened. I'll bet you there's like a large community of people in Minneapolis who are like just huge time heads. They don't want to hear Prince anymore. They're like done with Prince, but they're like <laughs> Morris Day. They're they're not tired of Morris Day. Well, and they I mean, just go they... to jukeboxes and just like play the shit out of Morris Day in the time. Well, and didn't Prince write all of their music anyway? Yeah, yeah, just like ninety percent of it, I think. Yeah. So if you're a fan of Prince's music and you've exhausted his catalog, then if you want <laughs> yeah. more Prince, just yeah. Hey, yeah. The yeah. time. Jig get lonely too, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I wish uh, we had more time to talk about the replacements book you just read, but... Right. Well, I'm wondering if... Yeah, yeah, I mean, I gotta get on a plane here. Yeah. (laughs) He's going on another trip. I'm going back to Chicago, baby. A week later. Yeah, there might might not be as much music this time. We'll see. I don't know. Um, But yeah, I feel like we need to do a follow-up, and we could just talk about, like the music of like Prince and the replacements. Cause I don't even feel like we got that into that. And there's just, there's just so much going on there. They're so yeah. good. We also um, recently finished the Tom Petty documentary. That was like yes. four hours long. Yeah. We got to talk about so Tom. Talk about Tom. Got to talk about Tom. So we could have an episode of just the, of the greats. Yeah. 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 The greatest Prince. American artist ever. Replacements and Tom, Tom Petty. The heartbreak. Stained. Yeah. Been stained. <laughs> <laughs> been a while. It's been a while since we talked about stains. So it has been a while. Uh, yeah, I guess we'll, we'll wrap it up. Good, good, good trip, Emily. Yeah. I had so much fun on that trip. It was fun. It's been fun talking about it too. I love being on vacation. Yes, God. Fuck work. Fuck school. Fuck school, fuck school, fuck my school. <laughs> fuck my school. Yeah, yeah. The only work I want to do is like, let's work. Like the kind of Prince is talking about. <laughs> I listened to that song today. Probably my favorite Prince song. Yeah, that's what we're going to fucking end the episode with. Oh, I thought we were going to end it with fuck my school. Okay. 
Maybe. I don't know. Was... We'll, we'll figure that out. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? The, Who knows? The listeners, like, what do you think it's going to be? Like, <laughs> make your prediction now. Yeah. It's going to be Gigolos Get Lonely too. Actually. We, should, we should flip a coin. Make it random. We will. Yeah, exactly. Okay. We'll flip a coin after this and okay. uh, we'll determine what the closer is going to be. Cool. Uh, but it's gonna be a fucking banger either way. Either way, yeah. but like two totally different, two songs. totally different songs. Just like the whole spectrum of of Minneapolis, just a great, yeah. great city. Yeah. All right. Well, All right. That does it. Yeah. So bye, everybody. Bye, bye, <laughs> people. Bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs> <laughs>